Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Verse 21, as we continue on our series uh, called This Is Us and, and our heart and our passion to, to declare what do we want to be known by. And uh, the, it's, it's just a short verse and it's up on the screen. Jesus said this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In the way that God sent me, the mission, the cause... I'm now putting it on your lives. These are the words that he spoke to the disciples as he was, this is after the resurrection, and this is his little conversation with them as about, he's about to release them, and he's like, hey, listen, in the same way, the same message, same mission, same power, because we're empowered by the Spirit of God, I want you to go and do the exact same thing. I'm sending you. I've got you. I've given you this mission. I, you know, I, uh, thinking about mission, I, uh, I always, for some reason, I often think about when I think about mission or even this verse, I think about Sesame Street. Anybody, anybody remember watching Sesame Street as a kid, like religiously, like couldn't miss it, you know? Like, you know, remember, remember the, one of my favorite things was the four squares, one of these things don't belong here, right? And you used to sing the song and it's like really catchy and now it's in your head and you're gonna be singing it now for the rest of the day, right? That kind of a thing, right? And so, you know, uh, there was one little cartoon that they had on Sesame Street of a little girl who was given the task of going to the store for her mom. How many of you remember this, right? And her mom said, I want you to go to the store and I want you to get a loaf of bread. I see everyone's starting to nod, uh, right? A container of milk and a stick of butter. It's not butter, butter, right? Like, was, I don't know if there was a New York thing going on or what it was, butter, right? And, and so I re, I, that's one of the things that I actually remember. And so, you know, the mom looks at the little girl and she says, okay, are you going to remember this or do I need to write this down for you? And just like every kid, right? Like every kid, we all did it when we were kids. Our kids do it now where it's like, no, no, no. I could take on the mission. Like you could put Mission Impossible music in the background. Like kids are like, no, I don't need it written down. Mom, I can remember. And so that's what that little girl did. You know, she walked to the store, and as she walked to the store, and there was always, always tons of distractions, right? And, and, and so she's going, and she was reciting it as she goes along the way. A loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. A loaf of bread, a container of milk, stick of butter. And she just keeps going along and along, and then she gets in the store. And as she's in the store, you know, she goes, okay, it's a loaf of bread, container of milk, and she forgot the last one. And then she looks at the screen, and she's like, do you know what it is? Do you remember what it is? And then, of course, as a kid, you're like, stick of butter! You know, like, you're just yelling at it, and your parents are like, what are you yelling at, you know? And, and it's just a precursor to yelling at the maple leaves on the screen for me. But anyways, what were you doing? Why do you keep losing? I'm just doing that because Grant's going to yell that out in a second. But anyways, to the Bruins! But anyways, um, not this year, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Pray for that right now. No first round against the Bruins, Jesus' name, amen. Uh, but, but she remembered, and then she gets home, and she's so excited about telling her mom that, man, I remembered mom, and mom's like, you got a great memory, honey, and, and they're just, they're ecstatic. And, and like I said, as a kid, there was something about giving, you know, getting a mission and a cause as a kid, no matter what it was, you know, it's like, it's like when the kids would go on the shop, you know, to the grocery store, can I push the cart, you know, and, 
And so, you know, even though the car's going, you know, they think they're just driving like, you know, like they're in a Lamborghini and it's just smooth sailing kind of a thing. But, but they're just excited about the mission. Are you excited about the mission? You know, sometimes when it comes to church life, we often see the mission 50% of the way. And what I mean by that is we see the mission in the way or the context of what happens in here. You know, we see the mission in the way of, you know, equipping and speaking into people's lives and praying for people and, and growing in Jesus. But that's only 50% of the mission. Transformation is a big part of the mission. But the mission and the transformation that should happen in our lives should translate in us being motivated to share the very hope that we're experiencing and the things that we're encountering here in the way of a relationship with Jesus to say, hey, listen, everybody on the planet needs to know this. It's about salvation. This is, you know, this is the gospel. And, and so it's not a, you know, let's do whatever we can inside here. It's really about taking the mission and, and taking what's going on here and relating it to our community in the way of serve projects or sharing our faith. Or maybe you partner with someone like Marcel on a Wednesday night. Or, you know, maybe you're a part of a serve project like, you know, movies in the park. And, and depending on the avenue, and you got to be mindful of this that, you know, and I'll share a story in a, in a few moments of, of being mindful. But, but you got to be mindful of your context because your context will dictate how you approach the gospel. You know, sometimes you just need to not say anything you just need to be the gospel and then there are times that because you're being the gospel the door opens for you to share the gospel right i mean there's just a you got to be careful and conscious of that but but are you excited about the mission because i think god is looking for a generation i think god is looking for a church that's excited and passionate like that little girl who was given this task you know a loaf of bread a container of milk a stick of butter and is reciting it and remembering every single step of the way this is what i'm doing this is what i'm supposed to do this is the calling that's on my life. And if there's anything that I want us to be known for, I want us to be known as a church that doesn't just come inside here and do our thing every week, hear a nice message, hear some, you know, some great music, our kids you know, go upstairs to kids' ministry, I meet with some few friends and whatever, but there's no life change. And there's no transformation. And, and, and there's a generation and there's a community of people that are, they don't even know, some of them don't even know that they're living in darkness. They don't know the gospel. They don't know the truth. They don't know the hope. They don't know that there's an avenue or they're skeptical or they're, they're you know, cautious of, you know, uh, of, of approaching a church or whatever, but they're just in the dark. And the last time I checked, God says, hey, listen, I've sent my only son. I've given up my only son for the entire world. And so as the father sent me, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm placing it on your shoulders and I'm asking you to go in my name and to do this. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit more lately and you know, I had, I had a list of things and, and of things that I wanted to hit this, in this series. And, and I just felt like this is the one I wanted to hit right now because I think it actually leads to, um, this is kind of an opener to, to what I'm about to share over the next number of weeks about how important what we do in here triggers what we do out there. Our expectation in here triggers what goes on out here or even here. 
our level of faith, our anticipation, our openness, our, you know, uh, our pursuit affects what goes on inside of our lives. And, and, you know, as I was sitting in my office this week, I had this word just stirring in my heart, and the word was ministry. I want to be a church that's known that when you come here, ministry is going to happen to you. Or God is going to use you to do ministry for somebody else. You know, I, I, my, my greatest fear and greatest concern and the thing that I probably fight the most is knowing that some people just come to church for the sake of going to church because it's a good thing. And the sucky part is you're missing out on the most amazing thing and you're right on the doorsteps of it. There is this deep and powerful relationship with Jesus to have when we walk inside this door and it's a step away. It's a choice away. And I was thinking about this word ministry, so I started kind of digging through just the background of the word ministry and that our English word actually is, uh, uh, on a biblical sense, actually is, is kind of, it appears and is based on um, God speaking to Abraham and, Abraham, and he said, Abraham, listen, I'm going to bless the nations through your seed. And of course, we know that Jesus is a part of that line. And obviously, the impact, and you, again, you can follow Abraham's line. You can see how blessed they were and how everybody that, that built relationships with him. And, and God even said this, listen, whoever you bless, man, I'm going to bless. Like, whatever you choose to do, I'm just going to follow your, you know, you speak it, and I'm going to deliver because I want whoever comes in contact with you to be blessed. Favor. That was the word that God spoke into my heart. He's like, I want, when I'm preaching, I felt like God saying, Craig, when you're preaching, when, when, you, when people come here on a Sunday, I want whatever happens inside this room or whatever happens upstairs in kids' ministry or at 11 o'clock at Merge or whatever happens in the prayer room or whatever goes on, that it will, when people walk out of here, they've had a favorable impression and impact on their lives and something has been done inside of them because we were obedient and faithful to what God called us to do. That the message touches your heart. That the, the worship and the presence of God would fill this place. What I'm basically saying is, I don't want, and you've already heard me say this a thousand times, and, and again, I will tell you, you know, for me, I have found that, that as far as experiencing the presence of God, it has very little to do with the songs that we're singing, very little to do with the, you know, how good the band is, very little to do when it comes to the message and all of that kind of stuff. Do you know what it has a lot to do with, though? Choice. I'm choosing today. Because I'm like you. I know you all have your top 50 worship songs. There's certain ones that you love. There's others you're like, are we singing this one again? Like, seriously? Can we just get past this, you know? And even in those moments, I just go, it doesn't matter, God. I've had people suggest to me, especially Pentecostal circles, right? Because we're known for... Lingering in worship and all these kinds of things. And when I was a teenager, man, 45 minutes to an hour, that's what we did in the way of worship at my home church. Like, it was just, and everyone loved it. And then I go to other churches over the years, and it's a little bit, you know, again, time-wise and all that kind of stuff, 25, 30 minutes. And I remember somebody saying to me, like, how in the world do you experience God in, like, 20 minutes? I'm like, how do you not experience God in 30 seconds? Like, Seriously. 
Do you, like, here's some questions. This is not meant to be judgmental, by the way. This is not condemning. It's not, you know, I'm just asking these questions because I ask myself these questions all the time. Like, you know, on a Sunday when I start to look back at what my day was like and whatever, I, I ask myself, did I come here this morning with an expectation to meet with God? Because when the scripture says, and he says it himself, seek my face and you will find me. I thought about that this week and I've spoke on this a few times. But you know what that means? It Just relate it this way. Pretend you're looking for something that you need in your house. The thing is, it's been where it has been all the time. You just didn't know where it was. So you look around as if it's not, I used to joke about it being like hide and seek with God, and I, I, I actually felt convicted this week. I felt like God saying, stop saying that, because I, I, I'm a really good hide and seek player if I want to be, Craig, you know, because I've made that statement a few times, right? And, and, you know, but God's like, the thing is, is that I don't move. I've been where I've always been. And when you're seeking me, the reason why you find me is because I'm always there. I'm consistent. I'm right there. I'm just waiting for you to find me. Just like your lost keys or, you know, your wallets or, you know, what are the TV remote. Man, I got to tell you, they need, to, they need to design a system for your, like an app on your phone that can pick up on where your remote is, like a remote locator. Anybody else have a problem like that? Because my kids are famous for losing the remotes. It's not even a big room. God says, I'm here. I'm here. And that's what I want to be known for. I want, I want to be known as a church that when you come, there's intentional ministry that's taking place, that, that our, our ministry is a blessing and it's having a favorable impact. In fact, when you look at, again, just to highlight what we talked about last week in the way, or sorry, two weeks ago when we talked about serving and being a part of the team, you know, the, the, the two words that actually make up or build the foundation of the word ministry that we have today, um, one is, uh, there are two Hebrew terms, actually. The first one is sharat, and it means to wait on or to serve. And the other one is ebed, and it can mean work or work the ground. Ministry is, a, is an action. It's an activity that's going on in people's lives, whether it's serving someone or waiting on somebody. So, you know, when we go into the community, we do things like movies in the park, and we're just trying to be a blessing. And, and, and I'll tell you, man, like I said a couple weeks ago, um, I, I mean, I, we had such an incredible response from people in the community. And one of the, one of the biggest things I heard was, are you guys going to do this again? You know how many people missed out on Friday night that night and, and actually went on Facebook on the Waterdown group and said, hey, when are you guys doing this again? And you might say to yourself, well, okay, but what kind of ministry is happening there? You're just blessing people. Having a favorable impact, the kindness of the Lord brings about salvation. Love on them. Love them to faith. Just be present. It works. It works because... It worked for Jesus. You notice, again, that Jesus, his ministry, wasn't all about teaching and preaching, right? I mean, he did that, right? He, he taught in the synagogues. 
because he's a rabbi. He, and we'll get to that in a second, he, he, he spoke, you know, Sermon on the Mount, preaching. He sat down with his disciples, and he began to mention them for three years, and, and day in and day out, you know, working through this, you know, unsophisticated, uneducated group of people, and, and, and just loving on them, and, and even in their quirks, and even in their, you know, incorrect thinking, you know, he was gracious and loving, and he spoke the truth inside their lives, and, and began to develop them before, you know, the impact of the power of the Holy Spirit upon their lives, and he just begins to shape them. He teaches them things that, that today we need to know because this is the heart and the desire of God. But then Jesus goes to parties and he turns water into wine. Don't celebrate about that really quickly. Just I'm just saying, you know, like, right? Why? To do a miracle? Sure. But remember, most miracles that Jesus did, he went, shh, because he didn't want his time frame to ramp up. Because he knew it would. But then he comes across people that are following him because they're doing miracles. There's 5,000 women and children. That means there's about 15, probably close to 15,000 people in this, this place. And, and the disciples are like, let them go home. And Jesus is like, I can't. And the word says he had compassion on them. And so he's like, all right, let's feed them. What are you talking about, Jesus? And he fed them. Physically. And he served. He said it himself. He goes, listen, I, the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He goes, I've come to serve. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And I think God's looking for generations like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Listen, you know, that little girl didn't have any special giftings or qualities. She was just a little girl that was given a task. She was excited just for the task. It didn't dawn on her that maybe I'll forget. In fact, she was absolute, like, I'm not going to forget. You know, and sometimes we, can, we think to ourselves, hey, I don't have the skill set to lead someone to Jesus. Pastor Craig, I don't know if I have the courage or the boldness to, to pray for somebody. But you do. Because it's a choice away. It's an obedience away. It is, it is, it's just, it's just, hey, listen, if God's positioned you, and I, don't let me, you already know, I've spoken this a thousand times. God is way too intentional. If he's put you in a certain spot, even if you think that it's just natural, this is just a way of life, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, God is way too intentional. He's got you there. Let me illustrate that. Do you ever have a moment where, um, Something happens to you that's bad, and it you know, totally throws off your schedule, and it really ticks you off, and and then you know probably about a few days later you realize that actually it was kind of a you wonder if it was a plan of God. Anybody ever have that moment? So that happened to me a few weeks ago. We were we we've been working on building a fence. We, our fence has been down for almost a year and a bit, and uh, finally you know Cora decided I'm going to take control and I'm making this thing happen. Just like every wife, standing on my feet, and my husband is doing this. And so I got dragged into this, and she already made all these plans and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's September, man. It's so busy. It's so crazy. But okay, whatever, you know. And, and, uh, and because of where our house is, there's pipelines behind our house. And so there's a whole thing you got to go through. The pipeline guys have to show up, and they got to be there because we're within 30 meters of the pipeline. And so, you know, they got to be there as you're digging holes and all this kind of stuff. So anyways, we had got a... Uh, 
guy just to come in and dig the post or dig out the holes, put the post in because that's really the key thing. Because I don't need a slanted fence; I've already had that, and uh, and if I do it, it's going to be slanted for sure. Um, and so we had it all set, and I had guys coming in that evening to come help me build the fence, and next morning finish it up. And I my my fence was supposed to be done like three weeks ago. I just finished it this week, not because I'm slow though that's probably a good argument. But anyways, the morning that we were supposed to dig the post, the guys that we hired, and if you want a name, if you're thinking about post hole diggers, don't hire this guy, and I'll tell you that privately because this is on a podcast and I can't do it publicly. But anyways, well, I could, but I won't. But anyways, um, he showed up and he's like, you know what, I don't like the grade that you're on and my machine. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. You know, can't use your machine. We were told that it would be extra if you had to hand dig all of these holes. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Are you legit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, this is watered down. And, you know, he's telling me, like, there's all these rocks and whatever. And he goes, listen, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I have a hard time believing anybody's going to be able to come in here with a machine. And I said, oh, yeah, because he said digging a post down that far, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm like, I was so ticked off. I got really sarcastic. And I was looking at the post that we had already pulled out from the previous fence that lasted 20 years. I was like, well, somebody did it. I'm guessing it wasn't you. But anyway, somebody did it. You know? Like, I was just bugged. I, I would, listen, I'm going to tell you, there are moments where I, I, can, I, can, I can kick off the pastor hat pretty quick and pretend that I don't know Jesus really quickly. Like, I know, I know someone's like, I can't believe my pastor just said that. You know? But I'm, I'm human like anybody else. And I was bugged. And part of the reason why I was bugged was because I convinced my neighbor that myself and a few other guys can, you know, once the posts are in, we can build the fence, do his side. Because my neighbor had a kidney transplant like three years ago, and, and he's fine and everything, but I, I didn't want that to be, you know, on his shoulders. We'll take care of it. And I, would, I just wanted to bless him. And now I'm sitting here going, what am I going to do? How am I going to get a post guy? And now I know the other guys, their schedule. I don't know if they're going to get in here and all this kind of stuff. I just, I didn't know what to do. And, uh, and so I'm sweating it. So we sit at his kitchen table. And I knew that he was having some medical issues at the moment. In August, they were doing some tests on his esophagus. And, and I knew that they had found something, but I wasn't sure how far along the tumor was. Well, that morning he began to share and it came to light how bad it really was. And I could see the anxiety in his, his, uh, in his eyes and I can hear it in his voice about getting it done. And he wasn't angry or nothing. He was just like, Craig, I just want to get this thing done. And I knew what he was saying. So I, I, I wanted to pray with them. And I, they know I'm a pastor. And I said, look, I'm not here to, you know, evangelize you right now. I just, I would love to pray for you. And uh and so, and of course, at this point, I'm not even thinking that maybe God delayed this for what's happened over the last number of weeks as far as relationally with him. And uh, anyways, 30 seconds before I'm about to pray, his son-in-law walks in and I didn't want to embarrass him. So I just said, okay, because I don't know what his son-in-law's background is. And, and later on, I found out that he's, he grew up in the church and all that kind of stuff. So I could have, but I wasn't sure. And so anyways, fast forward a week or so later, and we're putting the gates together and he's standing there. And I said, you know, I didn't get a chance to pray with you. And, uh, and I said, I want to do this because he had just told me that the next morning he was going in 
uh, for a procedure, brand new procedures, only one doctor in all of Canada that does it, he's at Juravinsky. And, uh, and he said, Craig, I'm, I'm getting an MRI sometime in the next few weeks, and if they find that it's in my bones, I'm stage four. And so I start praying for him, and uh, as he's, I'm getting emotional, he's getting emotional, Jeff and John are like, hey, boss, do you want to do this with the fence? You know, like, I, as I'm praying with him, right? And then they realize, and you can pure Jeff Diffie batch. He's like, oh, okay, well, never mind. I'll just keep doing this, you know? And <laughs> do you know, I, I look at that moment, and I'm going, and listen, can I just tell you, you don't need to be a pastor to do that. I don't know how he was going to take. I found that he was a Roman Catholic background, and but you know, not a not a, a doesn't go to church now, and and whatever. And I like I don't know why. I don't know why you know whatever. But I'll, I'll tell you what's happened in the last three weeks. He came over after we did all of this work and everything, and wanted to settle up the bill. And he said, "Well, Court, listen, tell Craig tomorrow. He's already done the." The procedure. I waited a couple days because usually when you have those procedures, people are pretty tired and I didn't want to bother them and whatever. And he's like, listen, tomorrow morning, tell Craig to pop by the house, come on in for a coffee. And Court looked at me and she goes, Craig, he wants to sit down with you now. Not that he didn't before, but I'm saying the door was opening because I saw a window and I remember sitting down talking with John and Jeff, after we finished building the, ga the gates and we were having wings, that was my payment for them. And, of course, you know, I'm not going to turn down wings for myself. But anyways, you know, just, sh just by the way, notes, Cora thinks it was I was paying them and I just had to go along. But really, it was the plan all along. But shh, don't tell her, you know. So, and, um, but I, I love that. Because I said to John, I said, you know, the thing that I was angry about, the delay... just might have been the door that God was using for me to do ministry, serve, bless, impact my neighbor on behalf of Jesus. And that's my heart. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with just a review of the mission of Jesus found in Luke chapter 4. To remind you of what ministry, as far as the quality, or what God, what, what God has come to attempt through your life, and in your life, by the way. And I've shared this back at, you know, when I started the Seek First, the Kingdom, and I, and I won't go into deep, I just want to remind you of this this morning. Jesus standing in front of this, this, uh, this temple crowd, and he does what rabbis would normally do. They would just walk up to the, you know, to, you know, the podium and they would just unscroll the next scroll. And it happened to be, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 61. And, and talk about timing. 
This is the moment Jesus has already gone through the wilderness, the temptation, you know, uh, the moment when he was, you know, by the water and, and, you know, God says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased and all this kind of stuff. And now he's starting his ministry. And to start his ministry, he establishes what his ministry, what his mission is and, and still is today. And, and I hope and pray happens here when you're here or in your community group or when you're building relationship with other believers. You know, my, my hope and my prayer for our youth ministry or kids ministry, my hope and my prayer that with your neighbors, you would begin to discover and experience Luke chapter 4 for yourself because this is the mission. Luke chapter 4 verse 17 to 19 says this, that unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, meaning he has set me apart. This is my mission. Just like the little girl, her mission was a loaf of bread, container of milk, and a stick of butter. I want you to know this. I want to know this. I want to be reminded of this, that every time we w I walk up here to, to sit at this chair or to walk around and to share those messages, when I'm sitting in my office and I'm, and I'm preparing whatever God's laid on my heart, to write it in such a way that this is actually being accomplished in some way, some form, indirect, direct, whatever it is, that you would know this very thing. He said, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor. Meaning he has come to establish your real worth. The word poor there is this idea of beggars. And beggars in society then and even now are looked upon as social outcasts. They're on the outs. And Jesus, because of the cross and because of his ministry, because of his love, laid down his life to bridge, not just bridge the gap, but to pay the price so that he can shift you from being a beggar or on the outs spiritually when it comes to eternity and with, in relationship with God. That you would now know that because of Jesus, you are not a beggar anymore, but you are an heir to the throne of God. You are a child of God, and, and you are rich in him. Value. Value. I want you to know when you come in here, man, God loves you so deeply. And because he loves you so deeply that whatever you came in with, I want God to minister to. And I think God has come. Remember, seek my face and you'll find me. I think God, I always walk in here going, God, I already know you're here. I already know you're here. I believe you couldn't wait to get here, God. I, I, you're just ready to go. You, listen, I'm going to tell you on any given Sunday. I was thinking about this last week. There was a moment in the last couple of weeks, probably actually both in the last couple of weeks, both of those weekends, that I felt that there were moments in worship where I looked at the staff each time and I'm like, guys, there was a moment in this service where things could have gotten like deep. Like God is ready to just pour out on this place and on your life. And I'm getting excited because I know what God's already done and I know what God's doing. And I'm like, God, bring it, man. But here's the key. I gotta be open to it. And I've gotta, I've gotta put aside my comfort zone spiritually and say, okay, God. And by the way, this is not a Pentecostal thing. This is, not, this is just about pressing into Jesus. It's just one choice away. It's just one step of obedience away. It's just one moment of saying, God, I'm gonna open up my heart and I'm gonna let you impact my life today. It is one expectation away. 
coming in here. I said this to someone yesterday. It's interesting. Jesus often said before he did a miracle, he either asked the question or he asked it after the miracle had happened. Or he made a statement. Do you believe? Or he said, your, your belief has healed you. There's something about our level of belief that literally begins to, well, I've said it. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. I think that's a beautiful picture. He doesn't kick the door down. He stands on the door, knocks on it, and says, let me in. And if you let him in, watch what happens. You're going to find your value. You're going to see your value. You're going to discover your value. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know it inside your heart, which will make a world of difference when you're going through all that you go through. Knowing that God loves you in the midst of your chaos is one of the most profound things that anybody can have. But he goes on to declare even more. He said, listen, not only have I come to proclaim good news to the poor, but he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Listen, there are a lot of people out there that do not know that they are in prison. Some of us even in the church don't know that some of the stuff that we carry, God's going, I have no intention of you carrying, but I need you to open your heart so I can get to that, so I can minister to that, so I can heal that, so I can break that, so that you can look behind you and see the chains are broken and they're on the floor, but they're not on you. I'm here to declare freedom. I'm here to speak freedom over your life. And of course, the ultimate freedom came because of, of the fact that Jesus you know, died on the cross. Which is interesting to me because a lot of people don't realize that truth. And I think that's why the second part of that, uh, uh, well, not the third part of that verse goes on to say this. Not only am I here to give you good news to the poor, you know, establish your value so you know it. Understand that, that you are free from, from all of it, but recovery of sight to the blind. Listen, I've said it, man. And, and again, it's not just people outside of a community that don't know Jesus. The enemy is good at blinding. The word there is opaque or fog. You can't see through. You can't see it. And there are so many people in our community that don't know hope. And I think, to be honest with you, part of this is because no one's ever told them. No one's ever shared with them that our eternity hangs in the balance of understanding that I need Jesus. It's not because they're a bad person. It's because sin, just like every one of us, has entered our lives from the get-go, and God's forgiven that, and he's setting us free from that. But the way of salvation is accepting Jesus into your life. Declaring his name, you know, like I just, man. It's just an understanding away. And the enemy is so good to tricking us into believing that you don't need God, you don't need Jesus. I mean, this has been his, his M.O. from the very get-go. It reminds me of a story that I once heard of how... Uh, they used, to, I don't know if they still do it, but training elephants from a young age because elephants have, we all know they're known for having great memories, but they're not the smartest animal in the kingdom. And yet they're one of the biggest and strongest and can actually do more than they realize, but, but they, just, they just don't 
live that out. And so what they would do to keep, because, uh, I mean, how do you chain up, uh, uh, you know, if you have to chain up that if you're into PETA and all that kind of stuff, I apologize. I'm just saying that this is what they do. Like, they've got these elephants and they're chaining them and they're using them for whatever, you know. And, and so they would chain them to a little post when they were little elephants so they're not as big and not as strong. But every time the elephant would wander and would get to the end of the chain, they would remember, okay, this is as far as I go. Well, as they grow and as they get bigger, they remember, this is as far as I can go. Even though once they get to full maturity and full size, they could snap that chain in a heartbeat. But they don't do it because their understanding is, this is as far as I can go. And I think there are people that have been so deceived, and not just people, all of us, at one time or another, the enemy has just put this fog inside of us. He says, you don't need God. And they're living life and everything's good. And so that doesn't, there's no trigger or anything like that. Until we show up and we start doing ministry. When we show up and we start to establish the truth. Because that's what God's called us to do. To help establish the truth. On his behalf, we are partners in ministry with Jesus. We are going out just in the same way that the Father sent him. So I send you. And the last one that he said is about healing. Emotionally, spiritually. And it says this, that he goes on. He says, listen, I've come to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stood up and said, Today, this is fulfilled. The word oppressed there, it has a, a connection to brokenness and smashing to pieces. And he said, I've come to just heal them. I hope you hear my heart today. That's, I want to be known as a church that does that. And not under our power, but under the power of God, just simply because we're putting ourselves in a position to pray for our neighbor, to share with our neighbor, to help them discover. And listen, I hope and pray that that happens to you every day. You will, every time you walk in here, that you would discover your value even more. When you leave here, that man, your love, not just your love for God, but your realization of how deep the love of God goes for you will be even deeper more than it was when you walked in here. You know, I, it's the same thing with, and I'm going to ask, actually, if you guys want to come back. I want to do two things this morning. Because I, I just, I, I want, I, I just, like I said, I, I don't want to come and just do church. I, I Listen, I, you know how, do you know how you, as you get older, you realize that time is a lot shorter? You all don't want to laugh about it, but you know what I'm saying. You know it's true, right? It's like when you're in your 20s, you thought, oh, I got lots of life, man, no big deal. I can put that off. And then when you're hitting your 40s, you start to realize, okay, um, listen, I can't just drop everything. This has got to get done. That's got to get done. So I can tell you over the last probably, you know, seven or eight years, I have been even more determined than ever 
that I have zero interest in just doing church. No, he had an agenda today. I want his agenda accomplished. He has a goal today to touch your life. I want to see that happen. I hope you come with expectation. I hope that you come with openness. I hope you come with to say, I, yes, I want that, God. I want, I want that from you because that's what he came to do. And yet at the same time, he's looking at you just like he looked at his disciples on that day because we are the next generation of disciples, followers of Jesus that are taking up the baton, doing what we've been called to do in our generation. And that same, same statement is being spoken into your life today. As the Father sent me, so I send you, Craig, Wendy, Mike. And the question is, are you living for that cause? And I hope that you would have such a hunger fact, I've been secretly praying that your hunger for God would get bigger and bigger. So the cat's out of the bag. I've called on the Holy Spirit to chase after you. And so cool because I know he will. But anyways, it's a side note. And I can sense it. I can sense it. It's starting to rise. There's a hunger. Not just starting. I can see, I can feel it. It's continuing to grow and grow. And I just want to see that excitement that just says, man, I've come to church today and I know God's, I'm going to meet with God today, man. I've, I've come to know and I don't care what song's being sung, man. I'm just going to belt it out and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to press into God and I'm going to get whatever I can out of that message. Even if Pastor Craig's off today, I'm going to find at least one nugget, something. I don't care, one word. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm just going to choose a word and I'm just going to say, God, that was from you and I'm going to learn from it, you know, whatever. But I'm just, I'm just going to grow. But are you living for that God? So this morning, I want you all to stand with me, and I want you to take 30 seconds. Go ahead, all over this place. Stand all over this place. And if, if that resonates inside of your heart, I want you to just, would you take 30 seconds and just commit yourself to pursuing after the mission, both as far as what you receive from God and what you choose to give out in the way of ministry to your community, to your neighbors, to, to your family members. Would you just do that? Would you make a commitment? I, I just believe that we need to do that this morning. Go ahead. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.